0: What is up, Freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this Festivus rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. It was a great time. Matt and, I had, Matt and I had a great conversation. Some good adversarial thinking in this one, if I do say so myself. Started out a little, little heavy note, but we ended on good notes. I promise you that. Enjoy it, Freaks. This was brought to you by... ...friends of the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App, so you stack sets, send stats, receive sets, and sell sets if you so please... Uh, sats are the standard on the app cash app makes it very easy to DCA the sats you can send it and forget it cash app can be your bank account they offer account numbers and rally numbers they have their boost product which allows you to get cash back and sats back every once in a while via the app uh, it's a beautiful thing you can send the taproot scripts from uh, the cash app now uh, they're pushing the way use the code stacking sats if you haven't <clears throat> downloaded the cash app yet you're gonna get $10 $10 is gonna go to our good friends at Owl's Lacrosse that's Owl's Lacrosse woo <laughs> woo This rep is also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to do many things for you. Well, One of my favorite things that they do is they help you with custody. Collaborative they are here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you have all your Bitcoin on an exchange, that's a single point of failure. That exchange can get rug pulled. Therefore, you can get rug pulled if you have all your Bitcoin Behind a single SIG wallet, that is a risk as well. If you lose that wallet, if you're using a hardware wallet or a paper wallet and the backup to that wallet, you are shit out of luck. So what Unchained does and what they want you to do is to engage in a collaborative multi-SIG, a two or three multi-SIG, which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one. Uh, As long as you have your keys, you can move your Bitcoin in and out of your vault as you so please. They're offering a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a collaborative custody vault set up uh on their platform uh you're gonna have multiple video conference calls they're gonna get you hardware wallets they're gonna get you comfortable with multi-sig they're gonna get you set up and then they're gonna dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into your vault once you're all set up again eliminate single points of failure in your custody model try out the unchained vault they've got ira products they got lending products they've got incredible content as well tell them the tftc sent you for this collaborative custody vault uh, a package and you're going to get $50 off. Go check out everything they have going on at unchained.com. This trip is also brought to you by our friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into the home mining game. All right, what you do, you go to compassmining.io and you buy an ASIC. They're going to send that ASIC to your house and then they have an at-home mining support team as well. It's going to communicate with you to tell you everything you need to do to get your house, your wherever you're plugging your mire in, ready to get it plugged in and have it hashing, and getting that hash pointed at a, a mining pool that is then going to send you excuse me, I just burped a little bit uh, your sats. Uh, so you can check this out, compassmining.io buy an ASIC, I send it to you, they have a support team that's going to tell you everything you need to do to set it up, uh, and then uh, on top of that, they have uh, the ability if you want to take the risk of going with a hosting facility as well, you can buy the ASIC, they'll plug it at the hosting facility they have an incredible content team, I know uh, Zach and Will are hopping on the mic tomorrow with Drew and AJ from Cathedral Bitcoin. So check that out. And it is currently December 16th. So on the 17th, they will be doing that. Uh, this trip is also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains is here to help you stack more sats with your hash. Their Brains OS Plus firmware is auto-tuning firmware that allows you to, uh, you download this firmware on compatible uh, mining models uh, and it basically makes your machine more efficient and allows you to stack more sats with your hash. It takes your hash a bit longer. If you have a mining model that is compatible with Brains West Plus and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table. Um, and if you want to, uh, you are using Brains West Plus, you want to track what's going on and look at the data and compare yourself to potential scenarios, you go to insights.brains.com. I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot scom uh, It's an incredible mining dashboard. It's going to uh, teach you about profitability, difficulty, hash rate, mining pool stats, uh, per model, miner stats. It's a beautiful thing. Go check out everything they have going on. If you have a miner that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving stats on the table. Make sure you download it and go check out everything at brains.com, dot S.com. This web is also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a peer-to-peer lending platform. right? Uh, lend.hoddlehoddle.com allows you to engage in peer-to-peer lending. Again, they're leveraging multi-sig. It's a 2 or 3 setup. You hold one key. Your counterparty in the trade holds another key. And HuddleHuddle holds the third key. You put your Bitcoin up in that multi-sig two or 3 escrow uh, as collateral. And then you get stablecoin liquidity as a result from your counterparty. Um, and then HuddleHuddle acts as an arbiter there. So as long as you Put your sats up you get that stable coin you go spend it on what you want as long as you're paying <clears throat> that um that interest back uh, plus your principal you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day alternatively if you're a stable coin user and you want to get yield on that you can enter the other side of this marketplace but your stable coins up for yield in the form of bitcoiners looking for liquidity paying you back what you put up plus interest go check all this out at lend.hodlhodl.com last but not least this rip was brought to you by our good friends at uh, Bitcoin 2022 Bitcoin 2022 is happening in Miami, April 6th to the 9th, 6-9, nice. Uh, it's going to be an incredible event. I'm going to be there I'm speaking. We're doing a live RHR. Uh, it's going to be a massive party in Miami. Again, April 6th to 9th. So you can go to b.tc slash conference to buy uh, tickets and register for the event. Uh, use the code TFTC. You're going to get 10% off. That um, helps out the podcast too. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, Get on it. The ticket prices are only going to go up as uh, more and more sell. So enjoy this, rep freaks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free.
1: If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where
0: central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of
1: fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. probably should
0: be. be. What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, back in my father-in-law's bedroom, home for the holidays. Matthew, how are you? The
1: classic. The classic (laughs) room.
0: Coming to you live from uh, my 2014 MacBook Pro, my shitty camera. Uh, I hope the audio is okay, uh, but I am on the shitty internet in my father-in-law's bedroom. So, if I crap out, the internet problems this week will probably be due to your uncle Marty, and not I really not, I hope it
1: freezes on your end. <laughs> me and Maybe Marty we'll... were on a call. Me and Marty were on a call uh, yesterday or the day before, and he was doing it from his father-in-law's bedroom. And he tried to call me out for my internet being shitty before he realized that it was his fault that he was the one dropping out of the call, and it was it was it was just really it was it was pure happiness on my end.
0: Yeah, the the same thing just happened right then. You had a robot voice that I was about to say it's you, but it was probably me. Um, I think it was you.
1: I uh, we never told the freaks last time, but before last rabbit hole recap. I sent you and Car, uh a screenshot of my internet here, and it is, uh, it is straight fire. very fast. It's very fast.
0: Uh, what was it? 850 megabits a second?
1: Yeah. We can just round up to a gig.
0: Okay. It's a gig. It's a gig.
1: Um, we're going to keep
0: it tight here. Obviously, we're getting close to Christmas. It's Festivus here uh, in the United States on the East Coast. I'm back on the East Coast time zone. Uh, Light week, light week, but I'm, I'm just happy to be here. We we come week in and week out to talk about Bitcoin, uh, tangential topics to Bitcoin. We've been doing this for well over three years now, and it's one of my favorite things to do week in and week out is meet here with the great Matthew O'Dell to, to talk about the state of Bitcoin in the world uh, revolving around freedom in the digital age.
1: Merry Christmas to Marty and to the freaks and to Carr. Do you see, Carr got me this. My very it's own a Bucky sweater. My very own Bucky's uh, Christmas sweater. So I have, have you ever been to a bu- special? Have you
0: ever been to a Bucky's.
1: Yes, once.
0: Yeah, for uh, for you freaks who don't know what Bucky's is, I'm I becoming very uh, well acquainted with it uh, after moving to Austin, Texas. Bucky's is uh, an all in one. It's similar to like a Wawa here in the Northeast, but I, um, sorry, it's all my Philly. And Northeast Brethren. Bucky's is I, I would say a little bit higher caliber.
1: What uh are we not getting live comments or are there just no freaks in the comments?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen Car. anything yet. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's the holidays, dude. You know, this is gonna be a rip for for the pure audio files, I bet. Uh who I find it hard to believe yet.
1: there's not a single person in the comments.
0: We'll see. Well, I mean, Matt, stay humble, okay? Maybe we're going to have weeks where there's not anybody in the comments, okay?
1: (laughs) No, I I blame technical difficulties.
0: Um, We also, what was uh, in that same vein, we don't have any shout-outs this week, too, as of right now. So if you're listening, you want to get a shout-out in, I'll have our BTC pay server up um, scouring that. But uh, yeah, we're... We're shout out less today, um, but let's jump into it. Start a Clark's dashboard as we always do. And yeah, we're
1: not on YouTube.
0: We're not on YouTube. No, interesting. Yeah, we're on we're on Twitter though, right?
1: Yeah, I retweeted Restream. the tweet. Did you set it up on ReStream, Marty?
0: It should have been. I didn't do anything different this week. Um. Outside of what we did,
1: should we just nice cut JD. it and just up? Oh, we got there someone. Was there a delay?
0: It says sending data to YouTube right now. Um, oh, yeah,
1: probably YouTube delay.
0: Yeah, it's probably a delay. Um, back to Clark's dashboard, Matthew. Don't worry, we're going to get out to all the platforms. The uh. Price of Bitcoin right now has popped above fifty k. Right before we hit record, TFTC RHR pump. We're at fifty thousand four hundred ninety dollars. The current uh, Sats per dollar exchange rate is one thousand nine hundred eighty one Sats. Uh, is is what you're going to get if you're if you're buying a cuck buck worth of of Bitcoin. Uh, market cap of Bitcoin right now is nine hundred fifty four point seven billion dollars. That's the sort of thing you like. Uh, we're currently at block height seven hundred fifteen thousand four hundred thirty. And did Clark add this because of us, or was he highlighting that it was always here and I just could have? Found I thought it he here.
1: added it because of us,
0: Clark. If so, you did, you're a gentleman and a scholar. If you didn't, sorry for missing it. Uh, <laughs> UTXO set size, which we uh, we discussed last week, we went into the nuances around UTXOs and. Uh, the fact that not every individual on the planet will be able to own them. Uh, there are 78,271,383 UTXOs right now. Uh, the chain size is 433.5 gigabytes. Why is that important, uh, Bitcoin, if it is to be a distributed system, sufficiently distributed? You you want to make it so the chain size is in a range where you can have as many individuals as possible download uh, the the ledger. And syndicate it to others you don't have to syndicate it to others but you can um and so keeping it as small as possible 433 and a half gigs uh is 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 pretty reasonable uh you are not on you are on youtube thank you so no, we are we're,
1: not we are not on youtube is what he's saying and i'm checking myself i we're not on youtube right now
0: we got it we got a youtube strike this week maybe we should talk about that clock car has been putting out clips um, business on air car and they can hear us. I know you're on mute, but, uh, sorry. Cars uh, in
1: Pleb Lab right now. We're in three different he's locations.
0: Be, he's got Ben the Carmen singing Christmas carols behind him. It's very annoying. Um, so he's had he has to mute himself while while we're on air. Um, people are loving the clips. They want them. Uh, we, we need, we're probably gonna have to create a new, new page for clips specifically, but one of the clips with Why? laser HODL. Um, just to separate everything, it's how Rogan did it too. He had his like main page and the mm-hmm. rogan clips um yeah, not, the
1: uh they're not liking our got, clips, right? Is that what's going on YouTube?
0: no, they're loving the clips uh well, YouTube didn't like the uh the laser hodl depopulation clip um we got a strike for that one so. um so uh I think we just need business on air let's let's uh try to hide things in the in the video content and not. Uh, especially the touchy subjects in in the title of of the clip or the episode. Oh, you put
1: depopulation in the clip title car? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. I was being honest, you know. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Hey, we live and we learn. We iterate. We grow. Speaking of growing... As of right now, we're 249 blocks away from the next difficulty retarget. And difficulty will not be growing if we keep it this pace. It's actually going to fall uh, by 0.6%. And that is because blocks are coming in at 10 minutes and 4 seconds on average, which is 4 seconds above the 10-minute production target. Clark currently has 15,007 transactions in his mempool. You can get one set per byte fees in. And Samurai is still hovering where it has been for the last few weeks, uh, around four thousand three hundred forty-one point one seven Bitcoin, uh, or two hundred nineteen point one million cut bucks. Excuse me for my burp,
1: Matthew. Still not on YouTube.
0: Still not on YouTube. Don't worry about it. Let's enjoy the time. Let's enjoy each other's presence here on this on this beautiful Festivus day.
1: Fine. Fine. I'm just <laughs> gonna get a fine. Um, I just miss, I miss a ride or dies in the comments. That's all I've gotten spoiled.
0: I know you have gotten spoiled. Remember when we used to like try not to pay attention to them? I'm getting sending data, sending data. That's what I'm seeing. Um, It's been a pretty, pretty big shit show here back home. I come home uh, and many people in my family have either gotten the flu or COVID. So that that is why I'm back in my father in law's bedroom uh, in South Jersey to, to isolate. Luckily, my wife, son, and I have been pretty, pretty inoculated from that. We're feeling great, but yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty big we bummer. You coming in on. Philly,
1: all, like your family should all have COVID. <laughs>
0: uh, my parents got the flu. Uh, my wife's sister and b- our brother-in-law uh, are may have COVID. It's a it's a shit show. Damn, it's, it's like white like the COVID and the flu are, are blowing through Philly right now. Happy to report, my parents are are feeling much better. They were knocked out for the last, the previous two days, but uh, they're feeling good now. So if you're in the Northeast, uh, <laughs> the, the, either the flu or COVID seems like it's going to get you at some point over the next few weeks. So just be aware.
1: Glad I'm not there.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, it seems hint, like little... all the
1: lockdowns are happening too.
0: Yeah, lockdowns are happening. Sure. Fauci's saying that you're not allowed that to... Be with your family if you're unvaccinated, even though everybody is double vax and double boosted is susceptible to Omicron too. There's just no logical consistency, Matt. The, the clown world is, uh, is is I mean, it's at an all-time high. I don't want to say it's peaked, but um, I'll start with this controversial topic because I wrote about it in the bet last night. It's just really, again, having to move away from my family uh, for. Uh, a few days while I'm home on vacation. I'm supposed to be spending time with them. Uh, uh, It's just really getting frustrating. How long are we gonna perpetuate this cycle of fear-mongering, another jab, lockdowns, masks, vaccine passports? Like at what point do people just realize that this is a virus viruses mutate? They're gonna be around uh, with us for our, our existence as human beings. And we just need to move on and stop uh, participating in the fear mongering that's coming from the people on the boot tube uh, that 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 really don't care about your health and safety. I think they just like being authority figures on things, and they they want to they get they get dirty pleasure out of out of having control over over this many people or perceived control. That's because that's what it is. It is perceived control that you've handed over to these. Uh, insane authoritarians. Um, It's time to stand up, be adults, not be afraid, and go back to normal life, or try to at least, because this stuff is not going away. This virus is going to keep mutating. They're going to try and keep up with the vaccines. Specifically, the way
1: viruses evolve is they they become more spreadable but less uh, dangerous.
0: Yes, which seems to be the case with Omicron. Um, Correct. So this is my my call to the world. And again, dude, that's another thing I want to talk about. Like the second order effects are beginning to get scary. Uh, I don't know if it's a, directly a second order effect or just something that's going on coincidentally with all of this. Is the fentanyl overdoses? I, I didn't know, I didn't realize that for the eighteen to forty five age range in the United States, fentanyl overdoses deaths. Or the number one cause of deaths in that, that age group. That's fucking insane,
1: dude. Yeah, it's been pretty bad for a while. Got yeah, a couple of friends we lost that way. Time to end the war on drugs. Legalize drugs.
0: Yeah, legalize bring drugs. The,
1: bring it out of the shadows. But seriously, if you're like
0: if you're a cocaine doer, like at, at the very least, like try to figure out how you can test that cocaine before you're going to do it, because that seems to be the number one way. In which people are are dying of fentanyl overdoses it's getting uh, I thought mixed it's mostly in. heroin and heroin too um i am have known, known a couple people usually you get hooked
1: on oxys, and then you move to heroin cuz it's cheaper and easier to get and then the heroin is laced with fentanyl and then you you overdose
0: yeah i think they're lacing it with everything heroin don't don't do heroin uh, i, I don't think I I don't think that's a drug you really want to get into. But I know a lot of... Or cocaine either. They're very high time preference activities. Um, But if you are going to engage in them, try to figure out a way in which you can test them uh, to make sure there's no fentanyl in it because it is pretty lethal. I personally do know a few people have passed from it as well. Um, But right behind that is suicide, which is another crazy thing. I think that is more tightly connected to the lockdowns. Uh, Death of desperation is what people call it. Sorry. Holiday season, we're getting right into these fucking heavy topics, but it's on the top of mind, and I think it's important. These are these are a couple of the things that are going underrepresented and under uh, under not underscored, but uh, very they're they're being pushed to the side in favor of this COVID fear mongering, uh, and they, these seem to be like much larger problems. Like how the hell is suicide the second largest cause of death for eighteen to forty five year olds? in the United States nobody wants to talk about it why are these people uh, seeing uh, an early exit of, of this planet as desirable <laughs> it's it's a pretty big problem that we probably should be talking about how many how many people just feel completely uh, destitute and have no optimistic vision of the future that they just decide to to take their own life like well, why is this happening how how's there this many people with no hope for their futures. What does that say about us as a society at large and and what we're performance tuning for? It's it's fucked up, dude. I've been in a bad headspace the last 48 hours being forced away from my family and then reflecting on, on this type of stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely fucked up. Um, you know... Be there for your friends and your family, guys.
0: What does it say about the state of the world, Matt? Come on. Give me a little bit more than this. Like, it's...
1: <laughs> You know, I'm, like, not, this is... uh, I'm not a mental health uh, specialist or anything. But uh, at the end of the day, we got to be there for each other and be someone that people are willing to, you know, be comfortable enough to talk to you about, about hard things. A lot of yes. us just like, no, I mean, a lot of us just, you know, you scroll Twitter, you like, you know, you you stay on your social media, you're constantly just staring at your phone, you know, you're not looking up and around you and, and being there for the people that are that what matter, right? Your rider dies. So like, you gotta, even if even if, you know, uh, I, I I think it's, it's important to be that type of person that, that hopefully someone who's going through a lot of shit. Is thinking about ending their life is is willing to um be comfortable enough to come to you with that that feeling and that information and and hopefully you can help them through it. And if you're out there, if you're listening to
0: this, you're one of those people, I mean never hesitate to reach out if you're going through a rough time. Like it's it's fucked up. And a lot of people are, and that and that's the thing like I want to hone in on is like how are these many people so pessimistic on the state of the world. Like, what does it say about our society? It, it, it's just another indicator that we are a bit off kilter as a, I don't even want to say humanity, we'll just talk U.S. specifics here uh, as Americans, like in America specifically. Yeah, we may be the the richest, toughest country in the world, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of underlying problems We're we're doing a lot of, we're focusing a lot of our attention outwardly um, trying to point fingers abroad uh, at people meddling with our elections and uh, and uh, so throwing culture war stuff at us but we we have very very big problems internally. maybe we should be a bit more introspective as a society and and really reflect on on what we're fine tuning for is growth at all cost um what we should be fine tuning for? Should we be cloud chasing uh, in society like we are? Like, should we have this hedonistic uh, sort of mentality? I don't know. I'm rambling now. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm
1: sorry. I just had a freak send me a telegram message because we are still not on YouTube, so we don't have a live chat. And the freak made a very good point that if you are another freak and you're thinking about suicide, uh, please consider calling the suicide hotline. That as well. Thank you.
0: To the free coup, Telegram message to. <laughs> um, on the rosier topics. I'm sorry, uh, again, this is me. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas a little bit. But Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, we are we are approaching the day which uh, the Lord was born. So that's something to to be joyful for. Uh, but here's something we can both agree on. It's always fun to shit on ETFs that that get denied by the SEC. Uh, ben Ackman. Grayscale uh and Bitwise, said, and not, not, even, not even not even Vanek, Bitwise and Grayscale spot ETF proposals were delayed by the ET excuse me, the SEC.
1: Not surprising. I mean Check the tapes. Marty said a spot ETF was imminent. When did I say that? Like five weeks ago, six weeks ago, whenever the futures ETF was named. All right, check the tapes. T- check 10 the tapes weeks ago. <laughs> I
0: don't believe I said that. I don't believe I said that.
1: Well, it's on the tapes. All right, somebody car somebody. We're not gonna have we're not gonna have a spot ETF any fucking time soon. They they like the futures ETF because the futures ETF is is cash settled and isn't actually based on underlying Bitcoin. Yeah, it's a derivative,
0: so there's probably some rehypothecation. I mean, the S uh, excuse me, the CME contract apparently those those. Paper contracts do have to buy physical Bitcoin below them, um, but I, I, I don't believe the uh, the other futures contract out there does. So it's a bit of rehypothecation.
1: Does the, um, the CME contract buys?
0: I believe there is at least some margin uh, <laughs> necessary for those for those contracts. They do need They're to bad. buy and, and touch quote unquote physical Bitcoin at some point. Um, to to facilitate that that specific contract, uh, like we say all the time, he is the ETF. Just stacks ads. I'm not, and this has been a meme since literally 2013. I believe is the first time
1: people have we been excited out. about an ETF. Yeah, forever, man. And everyone always thinks it's imminent. Yeah, but I mean, it's just it's just more proof that you know regulators do not really care about people. Uh, like they have so many ridiculous fucking ETFs, they just don't want a Bitcoin ETF because they're threatened.
0: Why would they be threatened though, as regulators?
1: You can have He's like. Uh, why would they be threatened by Bitcoin? Like the financial I mean, the establishment.
0: Yeah, so that's. I guess that's the that's what I'm trying to get at. There is uh. Why do the regulators care? They're just supposed to regulate, uh, be somewhat agnostic to
1: yeah well, the underlying
0: not. instruments. I know, I know. It's a very corrupt system. When ETF, one spot ETF,
1: they fucking uh, they have like garbage ETFs that are like three x short, three x long, like super leveraged products that. If you like hold them overnight, you like lose your money. Like they have all this garbage out there, and they don't want Bitcoin ETFs because they don't want they they, it will increase the valuation of Bitcoin. And a lot of Bitcoin trading, uh, uh, the majority of real Bitcoin trading is done outside of their purview, and they don't like that.
0: Well, wouldn't they want to approve an ETF so it does come within their purview?
1: I mean, the argument they always make is there's no way for them to efficiently spy on the large exchanges that are abroad. So... Which is like a half-assed excuse. It's like kind of of the truth, but also kind of bullshit.
0: Yeah, so the justification there would be that uh, they... Wouldn't feel comfortable because those uh, exchanges abroad they would argue can manipulate the price, which would uh, right be negative and, for the holders of the ETF.
1: Because when you have a spot, when you have a futures ETF, the price of the ETF is based off of what futures are trading at at the CME. Um, if you have a Bitcoin spot ETF, you have to figure out what price is that tracking, right? And first, they said they didn't like. Uh, these exchanges abroad, and that's one of the reasons why the Winklevoss they failed at getting the ETF, in because of that reason, so they launched a regulated U.S. exchange, you know, based in New York, Gemini, and it still wasn't enough. Right? It's it's mostly bullshit. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think it's a it's a tactic to try and delay Bitcoin's growth. That it, it's <laughs> as simple as that
0: which is an interesting tactic because it, it it will allow the the freaks out there listening who uh, many of which I know there are some institutional investors listen to this podcast on a daily basis uh, weekly basis excuse me but most are are humble sat stackers and so the the SEC pushing out this ETF approval is just allowing us to stack more sats on the download. so stay humble stack yeah, I sats mean-
1: I think you kind of nailed it earlier, right? Because you like they're 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 using high time preference short-term thinking. Uh really they would like they they should be trying to have an ETF as soon as possible and have it gobble up as much bitcoin as possible and much trade volume as possible. But instead, they're basically forcing people to go out and learn how to actually obtain real bitcoin, hold it themselves you know, and use it with their, hopefully with their own node, right? Like actually go out and obtain Bitcoin when a lot of people might not do that if they could just click, you know, buy on TD Ameritrade. Um, so they're shooting themselves in the foot long term. So as the longer we wait for an ETF, you know, I think is better for us. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, if the state wanted to successfully attack Bitcoin, they should have approved the ETF in 2013. Imagine they'd be how so much big Bitcoin... Right now. Imagine how much Bitcoin the ETF would have at this point. It'd
1: be like GBTC, but so much larger.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, hey, or maybe, maybe we got some fifth, is it fifth pillar or fifth column? What if we, what if we- One or the other. One or the other, well, maybe we got some <laughs> fifth column. Uh, we have like six column, people uh, in the
1: Twitch comments right now. That's the only freaks we have with us. Mm-hmm. And you still still, well, uh, you're still using your personal Twitch account, right? What Twitch are we even streaming at? The real market?
0: At the real Marty Bent, we'll get that we all figured out. We media. need a
1: TFTC Twitch.
0: We'll get that figured out. Uh, shout out to our t-
1: Twitch.
0: T- t- shout out to our Twitch diehards, the Birdman three two one.
1: Yeah, the um, five people over there.
0: Uh, uh, we love you, Twitch crew. Still, not I never, on I never, never go on Twitch. We're just, just accept the fact we're probably not going to be on YouTube this week. I don't know what's going Fair. on. Uh, uh, Avocado Kid 85, Matt and I decided pre-show that we're not going to talk about that, so sorry. Um, oh yeah, the, we will not
1: talk about that card. Do not pull that up on the screen.
0: Uh, they can oh, go for ETF.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: ETF not approved. Uh, and so we either have a fifth column Bitcoiner in the SEC who understands the game theory around this. If if. The government really wanted to control Bitcoin. They would they would approve the CTF asap so they it could uh, accumulate. Not that even even then, if it did accumulate a mass amount of Bitcoin, uh, they really want to be able to control the network. But it would tie up supply uh, and yeah. probably create lazy tendencies, which would drive people to be complacent instead of learning how to control their own keys.
1: I mean, a key value problem of Bitcoin is it's not a proof of stake network. If you have more Bitcoin, it doesn't give you more control or power over the network. Now, that being said, there is a hard to quantify robustness that Bitcoin gains when, they have, when we have more sovereign holders, people that are actually holding their own keys, using their own node, getting comfortable with it, learning you know, privacy best practices and stuff. We, that like remnant class, that like group of sovereign Bitcoiners, is, it gives Bitcoin a defensible position, right? We want as many of those people as possible. So if you have an easier, regulated, fully custodial, trusted third party way of getting Bitcoin, you're inevitably going to reduce that amount of like sovereign base. Right. And if you had done that starting in 2013, um, there's a shit ton of people that are holding their own keys and using their own node right now that never would have done it just because they could have just pressed buy on their TD Ameritrade account.
0: Yeah. So congratulations. You played yourself, SEC and they U.S. government to. regulators. <laughs> uh, hopefully they don't watch this. But we know they do. And this was a cool story this week uh, from a journalist uh, at CNBC who uh, I have had the pleasure of meeting quite a few times in the Bitcoin mining scene, uh, Mackenzie Sigalos. Uh, she's actually doing some really good work. It seems like she's putting uh, good effort in to actually understand what is happening in the mining space particularly, and she wrote a story for CNBC talking about uh, the Chinese underground mining scene. It, there, It is uh, becoming very apparent that even though the CCP banned mining within the borders of China, that there are some renegade miners that have stayed behind and are risking it for the biscuit. And I believe in the article, the uh, miner who was uh, Using a a a an alias, uh, estimated that he believes there's probably still around 20 percent of network hash rate within China's borders. Um, who knows how accurate that estimate is, but I think it's certainly above zero percent, like we've been saying for the last many months, uh, which is encouraging because it proves that that Bitcoin is extremely anti-fragile, and in Bitcoiners, uh, on top of that are Pretty pure-based individuals, no matter where they live. At least some of us are.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, all you have to all you have to know is like, if if the U.S. government said that Bitcoin mining wasn't uh, legal in America anymore, you would fucking laugh people out of the room if they said no one was mining in America anymore, right? Like we have the war on drugs. Just because weed has been illegal, like now it's legal in some states, but it's still illegal federally and and in some states. It's not like people don't smoke weed. Um, so of course, some miners went underground, they distributed their setups, they went off grid, they did a bunch of different tactics to bribe officials, stuff like that, to, to, to continue mining and continue earning cash flow, sats flow, and then a bunch also relocated. Yeah. Makes logical sense. It does.
0: It's a beautiful thing to see, though. It's very resilient. Shout out to any of the Chinese miners that stayed behind and have their ASICs plugged in. I wish you the best of luck. I, I hope you have the highest of uptime and and the the greatest of pool luck out there I as would, well.
1: I would say uh, two things. First of all, um, first of all, these types of tactics, like what the Chinese did, actually make Bitcoin a lot stronger um because those warehouse miners that were very common in China and now are very common in America these massive warehouses that are on grid that are very obvious um those are the easiest to target obviously and as soon as they made this ban uh those warehouses stopped right like they people moved to smaller operations more distributed operations it's much harder to crack down now going forward um uh, the second thing is there's a really interesting story in here about one guy who uh they called his power provider. I think it was a hydro facility or something. They called his power provider and was like, uh, there seems to be a lot of usage here. Like we think there's a Bitcoin miner. And like he hit up his buddy and was like, they're like, they're on to you. Like you need to, um, and he like took some precautions and then they continued on. And, and why did that happen? That happened because for the power provider, it's a very lucrative relationship for him to have this Bitcoin miner uh, constantly pulling excess energy from him. Um, as a buyer of last resort and a buyer of first resort. So that is uh that's it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because you can't ban ban energy providers, and those energy providers are naturally incentivized to um to work with Bitcoin miners.
0: Yeah. It, again, I've said this many times. I don't know if Satoshi even realized it, but just the incentives, the loose incentives of the network, whether it be node operators running a consensus code, that's that's going to respect the assurances that were embedded into the protocol uh, early on, or the miners and their loose incentives with the energy providers, like you just explained, it's it's. I don't. I think it might be the most perfect incentive system that we've ever come into contact with is humanity. It's just at the end of the day, individual human greed is going to be leveraged to bring something good into the world. And and we're seeing that play out in China. A freak asked if we believe that 20% network cash rate being in China is realistic, I believe so. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right to me. Yeah,
0: China's a pretty massive country. Um, And from from what I understand... There's there's ways to um, have pretty sizable mining operations that are under the radar. Uh, having had discussions with with some Chinese miners in the
1: past, and they started at like right before the ban. They were probably in like the fifty to sixty percent range. Yeah, uh, I,
0: th- I think it was probably closer to the sixty percent range.
1: So like, so twenty percent is is you know a sixty percent drawdown, something like that 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 sounds like reasonable in this kind of situation i mean obviously it's just me like thinking about those numbers in my head but like that that like kind of makes sense to me that 60% would relocate and 40% would seek shelter within the borders yeah yeah
0: uh that that seems in line with with realistic possibilities in my mind as well But again, like you mentioned, Matt, I mean, this is why I'm an off-grid maximalist. Even here in the United States, I love everything that's going on in West Texas. I'm very happy for all these miners that are building massive uh, farms. But it does scare the shit out of me. Not only,
1: yeah, off-grid, small operations. If you're on, like, people having them in their homes, like these are all the things that add robustness to the network. The warehouse miners, not so much.
0: I mean the warehouse miners. You have, and again, I'm not trying to disclaimer. I sit on the board of a publicly traded miner that does distributed mining, um, so I'll put that out there. But do you,
1: you, does Cathedral do warehouse mining too? We
0: have we have some, yeah, we have some operations uh, that are on grid, um, but most most is off grid. Uh, the, I mean, just like just. Again, adversarial thinking. Like, what if in the like, if this does get big, a Bitcoin does succeed, and you have like, maybe you just like have miners start fighting each other. I don't know what that will look yeah, like, but like, imagine just like EMP attacks, wars. EMP attacks on these large on these large operations. Like, you get hundreds of megawatts of machines like burn out overnight.
1: The hash wars are going to be magnificent.
0: Uh well or that or are the incentives yeah, I mean the incentive is to lower difficulties so you can mine more <laughs> yeah, coins, The so. incentive
1: is to blow up your
0: opponent. <laughs> yeah. And they, that's why like people think I'm joking. Like I always get laughed at, but I'm like if you're building this shit, like your whole building should be a Faraday cage. Seriously. Like it should be uh protected from potential EMP attacks. Yeah maybe more expensive but it's
1: well no uh, what i think is i'm i'm super excited is the wrong word uh autonomous drone swarms are going to change everything
0: and for better for for worse
1: probably probably for worse uh autonomous uh, so so right now right now if if you have a drone usually it's you know, a military drone, it's like controlled by in Arizona from like a storage container, it goes and connects to a satellite and then it hits the drone. So one way to stop drones is you just jam that signal, the command and control signal, right? Now the autonomous aspect of that takes away the jamming ability because the drone's just thinking on its own. You just send the drone, you're like, these are the coordinates. There's a Bitcoin mine there, or there's a person you you know you, you want to take out. You go to those coordinates. And you take out that person with uh, take out that operation or person without any kind of command and control situation. It's just autonomous. Then you add in a swarm, so there's like a hundred of them. Uh, so like you have to like start trying to shoot them out of the air or whatever. Or autonomous drones versus autonomous drone swarms, and then um, on top on top of all of that, if you're able to do it on off the shelf parts, then you can have autonomous drone swarm attacks where it's impossible or very difficult to figure out who actually sent the attack and you can't jam the drones and it's really expensive to stop against. So like all of a sudden, like warfare, like uh, asymmetrical warfare is going to be completely different. And like, I don't think people realize like how close that is. Like that is like, we're already seeing people use off the shelf drones for like rudimentary assassinations, rudimentary attacks, where they like put C4 on like a DJI drone and just like, Fly it into a presidential office or something, but like yeah, it's gonna get ha- so much worse than that.
0: Did that happened in Latin America or Southeast Asia. Yeah, it's,
1: it's happened a couple of times in Latin America, I believe. Uh, they they all failed, Uh but
0: yeah, it's gonna there, get I worse. Mean, is, I mean, two hundred
1: k by drone swarm day.
0: <laughs> well, this I mean, but pulling on that thread too, does like does long term does this drive all mining operations underground? Which is an I mean, interesting it, thing. It, it shows
1: another diseconomy of scale, right? Where, uh, where miners that are, have smaller operations that are more distributed are going to have a better benefit, right? You have, if you're the diseconomy scales of Bitcoin mining, are uh, less regulatory target, less regulatory pressure, uh, less malicious actor pressure. And then a big one for me is is just waste heat harvesting, right? Because you can't, you're never going to be able to harvest waste heat from a warehouse. But if you have you know ten miners uh and it heats like the hot water in a building or a home or something like that's you can capture that and you get a lower cost as a result
0: lower cost or even potentially a higher revenue as well if you're doing yeah. something productive with that magic or like mushrooms or or pots and it's it's pretty lucrative and that's like i have
1: yeah I've that practically said that it. was like boiling the ocean to
0: produce salt, yeah, it's still going on in Canada I believe. yeah. Uh, there's I mean and that I've said this on Twitter a couple times and it, it's been cryptic when I tweet it out but I'll just be pretty transparent with it here like, like a lot of people especially talking about the long-term viability of mining particularly around the profitability due to the reduction of the subsidy over the long term uh, number one I think, the block reward being the subsidy plus the fees will be sufficient to stay mining into perpetuity just because there's gonna be a large amount of demand for utxos because utxos provide a lot of utility and people are going to be willing to pay for that utility which will provide more than enough revenue for miners to to, to keep securing the network but another thing i think we're mentioning here is that people really discount the fact that there is potential revenue outside of the block reward via uh, doing something with the waste heat which which rarely gets talked about as as part of the economic business model of of mining operations
1: and i think that's a diseconomy of scale right regardless yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, we just have to get past this warehouse miner thing i think is a there will always be warehouse miners, but I think the amount of hash they have on the network as a percentage is a momentary aspect of ASIC adoption. So ASIC adoption has a couple hurdles that you have to get through. Uh, the first one is manufacturing in the beginning. Um, you're gonna have very few ASIC manufacturers. Um, Uh, the second one to me is this, this warehouse, uh, like kind of corporate massive mining operation kind of situation. And you get past that because the life cycles increase, like you're not gonna do a waste heat reclamation operation. If the miners fucking stop go obsolete in four years, three years, two years, uh, when you start hitting five to eight years, 10 years, then all of a sudden you can put, you know, um, a lot of effort into that, into that reclamation. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, I uh, mean, it's and just, this is the advantage know.
1: we have on the shit corners, Cause they're not even going through that process. They're no. stifling their ASIC. Th- there's, there's really no other chain that has a developed ASIC ecosystem where like a lot of R and D a lot of money is going into actually securing the network. Um, and it's, it's going to be hard to jumpstart one after the fact. Uh, it's one of the the main advantages Bitcoin has.
0: I, I, I just think it's poetically beautiful that for the first 13 years of Bitcoin's existence, more specifically, probably the last 10 years as people sort of looked at the hash rate growth you know, back then and said, oh, if this continues, it's going to take a lot of energy. And they immediately just went to energy bad we need to change this. And a lot of shitcoiners have been running with it for the last decade. Like We're moving away from energy-intensive mining where, again, not realizing something Satoshi probably didn't even realize at the time either is that this perfect incentive system due to the economic incentives to be as profitable as possible actually uh, helps us create energy efficiency external to the Bitcoin network, which is actually a beautiful thing for humanity in a, in a very... Underscored, excuse me. I keep saying underscored. Underscored means you like highlight it. I mean to say underappreciated, underrated,
1: underappreciated.
0: Underrated, underappreciated aspect of the network is uh, that it's it's helping create efficiencies external to it to itself, which is, and uh, I just think it's so beautiful. Like we talked about last week, obviously with SBF um, shitting on on. Proof of work in, in favor of proof of stake. And actually, on that note, go read the the article that Lucas Nuzzi and Nick Carter wrote uh, in a rebuttal to to S, or FTX's comments on on proof of stake energy usage and transaction cost. They, they did a pretty good undressing of 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 that terrible argument.
1: Ethan, I mean, ETH, the the story of ETH is a perfect example because. Bitcoin obviously had a massive head start against ETH in terms of ASIC uh, maturity. Uh, but ETH actually had like a, a, a fairly uh, strong and growing mining sector where miners were putting a lot of money into securing ETH. Um, they were putting a lot of money into researching and making better machines that were more efficient uh, that can make them more money. and. Through a course, couple courses of action starting kind of like in 20, early 2018, they started saying, we're moving to proof of stake. We're going to make sure proof of stake happens. And they basically scared the shit out of anybody who who was putting money into ETH, putting money into ETH research for their mining and for mining operations. and And who would do that? Who would build on quicksand in that way? Um, and a lot of those people ended up moving into the Bitcoin mining sector and basically just wrote it off. And that, that's why you don't see like a developed, uh, strong ASIC ecosystem uh, in ETH. I mean, they went as far as I, they did some kind of fork at one point um, well, that like they fucked were, up a couple of ASICs too, I believe.
0: Yeah, they were threatening that Prague POW fork that would have bricked yeah. a lot of, I don't, I'm not sure if that went through, but... It this doesn't even unexpected. have
1: to go through. Just the threat of it stops well, investment.
0: Well, I would even take it further. I mean, the threat of it, it has always been there. I mean, for those of you who don't uh, know the history of Ethereum, before they even launched the protocol, I believe in like 2014, <laughs> late 2014, early 2015, the, the intention was to launch the protocol and then quickly transition to proof of stake yeah. uh, in, within 18 even months. Even in the
1: pre The pre-sale they said they were going to do it.
0: Yeah, well, and in, in the protocol, like at launch, they had the what the what they determined as a difficulty bomb. The ice uh, But they had it in the protocol when it launched, and the difficulty bomb for uh, those of you who are unaware of that aspect of the network, it, it is. It, they said at this block height, we're going to force the difficulty up so high that it's essentially going to be impossible for proof of work miners to produce new blocks. Therefore, the network will be literally forced. Uh, by the the like physics of of the difficulty going up so high to transition to proof of stake, uh, they've they've since negged on. They've just they, they just keep pushing back that difficulty. They just keep bomb forking into and pushing the future. it off. Yeah, I um, believe the next one they're pushing it back. I believe in February or something like that.
1: But uh, I mean, that's obviously the case. They've always said they wanted to do proof of stake. But my point was, they almost stumbled into. A robust proof of work ecosystem uh, because miners rightfully so realized, like, oh, this proof of stake thing keeps getting delayed, keeps getting delayed, and started pouring massive amounts of money into their mining operations and to research and development. Like, we saw a couple large scale uh, ETH mining operations spring up. We saw people trying to make ASICs. Bitmain was trying uh, their best to make hardware that was as efficient as possible on ETH. And then instead of embracing this kind of back door that they kind of just like walked into having like a robust proof-of-work ecosystem instead they did everything possible to squash that uh to squash that 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 research yeah, and development that was being done
0: they're doubling down on the environmental yeah. virtue signaling which is hilarious uh do you want to um yeah so that's like the thread that I started in August of 2017, I believe I started that thread right around, uh, I believe the second delay. and It was like, all right, like they keep delaying this proof of stake transition. And for those of you who are unaware, I've been I've been tracking <laughs> the the transition, this so called transition to proof of stake on Ethereum for for well over four years now. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. But like Matt said, uh, the actions that they've Express or have executed over the last three years, particularly have really scared a lot of miners away from actually investing in, in critical security infrastructure. And if you speak to any ETH miners today, they fully expect uh, to transition to like Zcash mining or something uh, after
1: this. No, no, but Zcash the- also is signaling that they want to move to proof of stake.
0: Yes, yeah. So they're, they're going to do that until that delay until uh, that inevitably happens, they're going to like ride the S curve of, of this shit. Um,
1: That's and, what all these shit corners say- don't realize. Like, you really should be like, if you want your chain to be have any uh, any chance of success, uh, you know, at, at actually having any kind of censorship resistance and and being successful, like you should be embracing ASICs from the very beginning. You should be using algorithms that are not designed to be so called ASIC resistant. Which they inevitably never maintain, uh, because someone will figure out a way to do a purpose-built computer that will be more efficient. You should do the exact opposite. You should be using mining algorithms that are as easy to make ASICs as possible. Uh, so you can kind of jumpstart that process and get to a more mature ASIC ecosystem as quick as possible. But at this point, I mean, I don't you think know. SHA 256, Bitcoin is like so far ahead. It's just like not even. Like these were conversations that should have been happening in 2016, 2017, and even then it probably was too late. Well, uh, these conversations weren't happening with
0: ETH specifically, but Namecoin. I mean, like I think Bitcoin won the hashing wars very early on with Namecoin. So for for those of you who don't know, actually, funnily enough, a lot of the people uh, were the founders of Stacks originally worked on an altcoin uh, called Namecoin that that used the SHA 256. Hashcash to two fifty six hashing algorithm as well, and so it therefore it competed with uh-huh. hash rate dedicated to the Bitcoin network, and it eventually just started getting reorged into Oblivion um, because it had such a minority share of Hashcash to two fifty six hash rate that, that essentially rendered the the project obsolete. And I I think you can make a strong argument that the Bitcoin won the hash war back then.
1: I mean, it was never even really close, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it
0: wasn't even a war. It was just like, it was just like, all right. It was have... a murder. Of... Yeah, it really was. Um, I was very, I liked that mining talk, that adversarial thinking. Like, think about miners now. And I should say, there are miners thinking about this. Uh, down in Houston, not this month, but last month, uh, Chad from, who's the CEO of the Winstone facility that Ride owns, uh, described their security on site. And, I mean, they have, uh, men with guns on site who will shoot you on site if you try to open the door and do anything with their ASICs. That is one layer, um, but I think we got to be thinking uh, about autonomous drones, as Matt mentioned um, earlier. It's going to get crazy. People aren't ready it really for it. really is. Uh, this is big for you. I'll let you take this one. HRF strike, open stats announced three focus bounties. Really like this, dude
1: so strike um and jack maulers over at strike raised a bunch of money for the bitcoin race car uh at the indy 500 Uh, if you remember there was qr codes on the race car people could donate they raised a bunch of money for development this is the first step in deploying that so i i believe they have more money besides this uh that is available uh for development but this is the first step Um, They teamed up with HRF to develop three bounties, all lightning focused, um, all with a specific focus on basically making lightning easier and more accessible for activists around the world. But uh, I think they could be very helpful for everybody. Um, All three bounties come with a one Bitcoin prize. So each bounty can, if if you successfully complete the bounty, you will receive a Bitcoin. Uh, They all expire at the end of the year. Uh, if they are not awarded to anybody, um, they will go into HRF's general fund, which HRF and Gladstein have been doing a remarkable job with uh, deploying that to developers in need um, of funding. So it will not go to waste. This is not an open-ended bounty. Um, OpenSats, uh, the organization I co-founded to uh, support open source development, our nine-person board of Ride or Die Bitcoiners, are basically judging bounty submissions and whether or not uh, the bounties are going to get paid out. Uh, we need a unanimous decision among our nine-person board. Um, the first bounty is uh, the first. The first bounty is a lightning tip jar. Uh, the idea is Bolt twelve specifically uh, being implemented, which is this idea of a reusable invoice without running like a BTC pay server or something like that. So you can imagine someone running a mobile app, running a mobile lightning wallet, taking that reusable QR code or reusable text string, posting it wherever they want, and be able to accept lightning donations from around the world without exposing their node public key or their IP address. Uh, It will make it way easier to accept donations in a relatively private manner um, without running an additional server, additional web server. Like uh, right now you could do it with BTC pay server, but uh, especially if you're in like an authoritarian country, it's, it's very difficult to uh, obtain and run a 24-7 server without doxing yourself, without putting yourself at risk. Uh, so what you see with a lot of activists, like I was talking to Navalny's team, uh, one of the leading activists in Russia when I was at the HRF event in Miami, um, they just put a fixed address because they're like privacy, is secondary uh, we're not going to run a server. We put it up. Putin knows exactly how much Bitcoin we have, how much we raised, when we spend it. And that's fine with us uh, because it's just easy. It's easy for us to do. And this is this is hopefully would make it much easier for them to do it in a relatively private way, while also being able to accept smaller donations because of Lightning. Um, the second one is a stabilized lightning product. Uh, a lot of activists around the world do not want to be exposed to Bitcoin's volatility. Obviously, for us, like Sats or My Stablecoin, um, I don't really see a need to peg to USD. But for a lot of people, uh, they would love to accept Bitcoin as a donation, but ultimately they want to hold it in US dollars while they wait to spend it. And this proposal is something that has been very close to uh, Gladstein's heart. Uh, he wants some kind of... Uh, contract for difference type of situation on lightning where there's a market where people could be going short or long. So there's no token involved, no tether or anything like that, but it evens out. So if there's a bunch of people that want to go long Bitcoin and a bunch of people that want to go short, this lightning market will basically allow you uh, to either peg to USD or do the opposite.
0: Yeah. But a point of clarification on the contract for difference in that contract, somebody's One party's going long or short, and the other party's looking for stability. And then...
1: Right. Yes. So I guess there's actually three, right? It's like one is long, one is short, and one is stability.
0: There's three potential uh, positions you could take. Uh, But you'd have two different contracts for somebody going short and one going long. And both those contracts would have somebody looking for stability.
1: It's like what some people do on like BitMEX, right? Where they create like the artificial stable contracts by doing... Short and
0: long position of equal size. um, Right, and then it
1: like levels out. Or it's not of equal size. There's some trick to it. But anyway, the idea is like a non-token-based Lightning-enabled market where you're you're able to basically... And what, what Gladstein envisions in his head is he wants to see like, you open your Lightning wallet on your phone... And you like have a slider, like 25% of it is in dollars or a hundred percent of it's in dollars. And you can just, just do a slider and to the, to the user, they don't really know what's going on. Um, like in the background, they just know like this $25 is in my wallet and it's going to stay $25. Um, so he wants the UX like kind of uh, ob- obfuscated, hidden from the user. Um, obviously a lot of, a lot of these people are using Tether currently, uh, but Tether could blow up at any time. It's centralized. Uh, it's a massive regulatory target. Uh, so it'd be nice if we had, you know, at least in the short term, while Bitcoin adoption increases, and hopefully as adoption increases, volatility should reduce and it should really become like one of the most stable assets in the world uh, in terms of purchasing power, um, stable and up. Uh, the... The need for it will be less, but in the short term, uh, it could be a massive boon for people.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, just go to use, UsefulTulips.org and read all the research that Matt Alborg's done in regards to having conversations with people in emerging economies that that leverage Bitcoin. They they all really like the stability that stablecoins provide them in terms of uh, exchange rate volatilities. like it or love it. These are p- this is how people are using this technology. And, and if they need it, who are we to say that, that they shouldn't be using this stuff? We should try to accommodate them via Bitcoin if we can. 100%.
1: And then the third and final one is a Charmian eCash Lightning implementation, a wallet that incorporates Charmian eCash's privacy properties, uh, either federated uh, to reduce custodial risk or not federated, would still pass the bounty uh this is uh already being worked on by uh, bitcoin developer Eric Sirion um who I've had on dispatch um very promising this is probably the most difficult bounty to complete of the 3 um eric is already getting funding from blockstream which is also very good um but the idea is just a very simple mobile lightning wallet um that gives you good privacy from Uh, the custodian of the wallet. Uh, So right now, it would would look something like Wallet of Satoshi. But with Wallet of Satoshi, you have to completely trust the privacy, your privacy with the operator Wallet of Satoshi. In a charming eCash setup, you wouldn't have to trust them with your privacy. You would still have to trust them with your funds. But if you added a federated model on top of that, then you you would have basically like a multi-sig kind of situation where you have 15 custodians and and like seven of the 15 would have to collude to, to take your money.
0: Yes. And you, Gladstein, and Bitcoin q and I believe, had a really good discussion about that on Twitter earlier this week, correct?
1: Yeah. Um, the really beauty of it is like a lot of the UX issues of Lightning are solved on mobile. No channel management, low fees, uh, easy UX, uh, if it's custodial. But the main negative of custodial is they can take your money, and they you have no privacy. So if you add the Charming eCash aspect, then you get privacy. And if you add the federated aspect, you reduce the risk of custodianship. So you end up in like a wallet Satoshi plus 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 situation, um, which is kind of a really great trade off balance. Especially if it's smaller amounts of money, um, all of a sudden using Bitcoin privately could be the cheapest and easiest way uh if you're willing to do that one trade off which is custodial risk and that is mitigated to a degree because of the federation i would say
0: significantly mitigated i mean how, the federation well, could be like a massive amount right but so right uh, now marty
1: you can't uh you can't do multisig lightning uh so so what happens is uh The federation in the mint is holding the majority of the Bitcoin, but the lightning portion that actually allows you to pay any lightning invoice and receive from any lightning invoice is still a single SIG with custodial risk. But the idea is that portion, that lightning portion is a very small amount. So if there's an exit scam there or some other issue, uh, the majority of funds are still safe in the federation. Um, So that's the biggest Thing, but you could upgrade that presumably in the future if, if it becomes easy to federate a lightning wallet through multisig uh, which is the hope that's what a lot of people are obviously working towards patience freaks patience
0: if you build it I mean, we're, we're building it and if you build it they will come but all this stuff will come in time as I say a lot on this podcast and in the newsletter we're not going to get all of this out of the box at once it's going to take time to get there and it is happening all of this has improved significantly uh, over my time uh, observing bitcoin and i think actually the pace of improvement specifically since the lightning network has has matured over the last 3 years is is increasing uh, to a very impressive level one thing i have question uh, just a question uh, around the distribution of the bounties, unanimous vote. I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah,
1: unanimous vote of all nine board members.
0: Yeah. Um, that's that's going to be hard to get, isn't it?
1: Well, so first of all, a huge shout out to Jack Mauler's Rockstar, and the rest of the strike team. Gladstein for putting it all together. Anyone who donated to the IndyCar for even making this possible in the first place. Um, so, so the way open sets is, is designed um we actually first of all uh we got our 501c3 tax deductible uh yesterday or the day congratulations. before congratulations so you can you'll be able to donate to open stats and receive a tax deduction if you're american i did not expect this to happen ben price did not expect this that we thought we were going to have to go back and forth with uh the us government to make this happen because HRF got their tax deductible status because uh, they're a human rights organization. So they just backdoored into Bitcoin. They were like, we'll add a Bitcoin fund. And Brink got their tax deductible thing because they're an education thing. They're helping developers or whatever. Everyone we talked to said there's no way that a Bitcoin focused development fund on its own is going to get Tax deductible status. Like you're gonna have to really work for it. You're gonna have to constantly change the documents, resend them back, and like work with them. But we got it. I was amazed we got it. Hopefully, we'll have public donations open soon. But the whole idea of Open Satch was twofold, right? There's gonna be direct projects listed, so you can say like, oh, I want my project, I want a donation to go to MemPool.Space. And if you do that, instead of donating directly to MemPool.Space, you donate through us. You get a tax deduction, and we send 100% to MemPool.Space. Um, the second method is a general fund, which I expect to be more popular. And so you can donate Bitcoin or credit card to the general fund. So you can set up like a $50 reoccurring, like I want to like weaponize the pleps. Like you, you set up a $50 reoccurring donation on with credit card. We automatically stack it into Bitcoin, then put it into the general fund every month. Um, and then that general fund gets deployed, uh, to different projects based on a majority of the nine-person board, not a unanimous. This is the long-winded uh, reason I'm bringing it up. It's po- the reason we have a nine-person board of many different types of rider or die bitcoiners is so we can have you know all these discussions, and then at the end of the day, if five decide to deploy it to a project, then it goes to that project. Unanimous was Gladstein's idea. I think in this case, like it was really important for us that we made sure the bounties were as specific as possible. So I think it won't really uh, make that much of a decision, difference whether or not it's unanimous or not. I think it'll be pretty obvious if someone completes the bounty. Um, and then worse comes to worse. I mean, the, all those funds are moving into the, the HRF general fund regardless, right? So they're not going to go to waste. It's not like, oh, we'll never reach a unanimous decision. The year is 2030 and the funds are stuck. <laughs> um, so we, we went, uh, that, that's how that decision was reached on unanimous.
0: I like it. I love it. Shout out to you, Human Rights Foundation, Strike Team, uh, you and the team at OpenSats. I know there's many people working on that with you. Uh, congrats on getting your 5013C uh, certification or certification, whatever C3. Designation is probably the better word there. Yeah. Um, big, big moves. Pump for you guys. Pump for Bitcoin. Uh, pump for the Lightning Network. I, I'm really excited if those three products come to market again. That'd be massive. Uh, if
1: any of the individual ones by themselves happen, it'd be all. It, part of it too was like, uh, and I like kind of I, I echo Gladstein's sentiments. Um, we, he wanted it to be big things, you know. He it, it was. It's supposed to be an, uh, an, an a sp- an inspiring thing. thing, you know. Accomplish great tasks, and uh, if even if they if the bounties don't get reached, um, hopefully it inspires a lot of builders out there to to think bigger.
0: Love it, fucking love it. While we're on uh, donations in the space, disclaimer: I'm on the board of this company, Cathedra announced a fifty thousand dollar donation to Summer of Bitcoin, which was a, a program that I wasn't aware of until. Uh, AJ and Darrell hit me up uh, asking my thoughts about it, looked into it, seems really cool. It's a university, it's a, a program that gets university students uh, into Bitcoin and open source development generally. SummerofBitcoin.org uh, is is the website. It seems yeah. like a great way to get more individuals into Bitcoin development. Um, and on it's that a note spiral, too-
1: It's a spiral Bitcoin initiative, I believe. Formerly Square Crypto. Right. Or they worked with That's them. A, they were maybe it's a, that, it's a separate okay. initiative, but Spiral worked with them because I talked to Steve Lee about it when he was on Dispatch.
0: Yeah, and I think I thought um, the name of the general, I think it's Ad v, uh who who started it. Um, I thought he spun out of uh, out of Chaincode Labs, but maybe. But
1: Spiral helped with it, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. He spun out a chain code or Brink. I think it was mm-hmm. chain code. Brink spun out of chain code and, as well. Um, the Summer Bitcoin, it, it, It's this is the second year it's happening. It happened last year as well. Um, I know both Bits and Mempool.Space uh, were very happy with their placements. So it's, it's a really cool initiative. It helps open source projects, open source Bitcoin companies um open source focused Bitcoin companies get developer talent and it helps uh these young people from around the world uh get their foot in the door in new projects so it's really cool uh really cool project
0: yes, and that's run by uh adi Shankara um so shout out Adi summer of Bitcoin uh doing some great work uh and while we're on the topic while we're discussing him, I don't know if you got to catch it yet but uh Gladstein went on Glenn Greenwald's podcast and did an incredible job of of putting forth. Came out, yeah, it came out earlier this afternoon. I actually uh, finished listening to it right before we hopped on here. It's really, really good episode. I think he opened Glenn's eyes and hopefully Glenn's audience.
1: Does he actually have to, audio feeds? Is it or is it on Rumble only?
0: Um, I watched it on Rumble. Um, so that's that's how was it I watched it. Video or was it audio? It was video. Yeah. Uh, he might have. I am not- I would imagine he syndicates it. A- I think he has a partnership with Rumble or something like that, though. I'm not sure. Um,
1: I, I mean, like, he- I looked up Rumble stats after he meant Well, first of all, Marty, uh, I'm very excited for Glenn to come on TFTC, hopefully. Uh, I, I saw that. So when I saw that tweet of you asking him and him saying he was going to come on TFTC, um, he said, Gladstein he interviewed Gladstein and it was going to be on rumble. So I started looking into rumble cause I, it didn't really, it wasn't, I keep hearing about it, but it wasn't really on my radar. Uh, rumble is a Canadian video host that's been around for a, a bunch of years now. Um, and they went from, I believe the number was this year, they went from one and a half million to 30 million, uh, users. Uh, and it's all based on YouTube censorship, so there's like a ton of there's a ton of uh online personalities and hosts and whatnot that use Rumble as their main host now because they have better public censorship policies than YouTube, which I mean is a low bar, but it's you know it's like a centralized company I don't think there's any shit coin attached to it or anything um
0: but yeah, we we need to get on Rumble. We need to get on everything that we can. Uh, we've got one strike on YouTube, we get three and we're gone. Um, so Carr, if you're I know you're listening, we got the
1: strike on YouTube.
0: We did, for, we got it.
1: <laughs>
0: my, my bad, dude. Uh, <laughs> that was no, nah, I mean, it was it was content that that I was a part of, so I'm just as culpable. <laughs>
1: Just whenever yeah, but, you but, but have laser on uh, cut, supposed but, to pick but, but like TV it only. though because it was fire.
0: Though. It was fire. You know. it was fire. It was fire. Hey, yeah, we're we're not on YouTube right now, so um, maybe we can speak more freely than we otherwise would. Eh, no, we're going to speak freely anyway. We're not going to let YouTube dictate how we speak here.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll just get banned yeah, f- and talk shit about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. I'm excited that Glenn. Uh, Responded to this tweet I'm excited i mean he's i mean he's inarguably inarguably like probably like the goat like him Taibi, e. and a couple others maybe are like the best journalists of our generation easily i mean he snowed in Assange. The snowden
1: leaks alone
0: yeah so very very excited to talk with him very excited that he's He uh, himself is uh, learning about Bitcoin, trying to pique his interest there, or Bitcoin's piquing his interest, and he's trying to scratch that itch. And I I love to see that he had Alex on to give the the Bitcoin pitch. And like I said, I I listened to it right before I hopped on here. He did an incredible job. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I haven't
1: even seen it. I'm sure it's a fucking fire conversation. There's there's, There's no doubt in my mind that you put the two of those guys in a fucking conversation together and it's fantastic yeah um so go check that out gladstein's uh, really like the perfect guy like we should just every single like would i like to be on rogan sure but like every single person that every single personality out there i would rather them interview gladstein like he's like the perfect frontman for us like well let's put him on rogan he's with greenwald like everywhere i want gladstein to be everywhere
0: yeah, but why, why? Why can't all of us be on Rogan? Yeah, we all can. All but like
1: and, <laughs> Gladstein should be there first. Like, no, I, 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 he's the priority. I, we must protect Gladstein at all costs. Let's get him. On, I, let's get him in front of every camera possible.
0: I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, he is. I mean, the, how can you deny the human rights argument for
1: Bitcoin? Yeah, Especially the he's way just, he speaks so eloquently. Like I'm, I'll just mm-hmm. be dropping f bombs left and right. Like he just nails it.
0: Yeah. And I'd be like, 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 um, um, Joe, uh, uh, pass the joint, please. Like, uh, go check it out. Shout out to Alex. Alex, thank you for all the incredible work you do on the content side, on the human rights side, and just advocacy outside of the Bitcoin bubble. That's, and that's something I said at the beginning of the year that I think we need to do. We should continue that in 2022 is Yes, the Bitcoin podcast circuit's incredible. There's incredible minds. There's incredible content. There's incredible discussions. But I do like seeing Bitcoiners get out and get on the Glenn Greenwalds, the shows of of Glenn Greenwald and others um, to give the pitch to to people outside of what can be an echo chamber. I, I love the echo chamber. I don't think there's anything wrong with echo chambers, but I do think... Getting outside and, and trying to reach other audiences is important and effective. Um,
1: guess Indeed. what? Guess what? Are we do we even live in a free country anymore?
0: No. But <laughs> Bitcoin's gonna fix that. guess uh, what? What? We got a shout out. A freak a freak heard. Right like, yeah. They had time to buy a shout out, we got one. Merry Christmas, all. To all the freaks in concentration camps this year, stay strong. We'll see you on the other side. With love, Serpent Dove.
1: Cheers, if any of you Serpent are Dove.
0: From, if any of you are listening from a, uh, a modern day... Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to go as far as call them concentration camps, but a quarantine camp we will go there. Uh, I hope camp? you're enjoying the quarantine. I mean, there are certainly camps in Australia.
1: Yeah, so those are private camps, too. They're like run by private companies.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I I tweeted it out earlier this week about the bill Bill. in New York. That was on January. It was supposed to be voted on January 5th. That would have allowed something like those Australian quarantine camps to come to New York State. Apparently, that bill got pulled from uh, the floor. Thank God. Um, So New Yorkers. We made a stink about that, and I'm not, I'm not taking credit for it. But a bunch of people are making a stink about it. It was all it. It seems, Yeah, I think uh, uh, the the powers that be at the state heard and pulled the uh, the the bill from the floor. It will not be voted on. So, as of right now, you don't have to worry about a uh, quarantine camps in New York State, which is a win. We'll take wins where we can get them. Carl, we're on the rosier subjects. We can't pull that one up. It's that's a depressing name.
1: Uh, Meanwhile, COVID doesn't exist in the South. <laughs> no restrictions
0: no. whatsoever. None. It doesn't exist in South Jersey, dude. It's crazy being down here. Just the, the change in uh, way of life 80 miles east of well, Philadelphia. Between like Philly and, and
1: South Jersey?
0: Yeah. yeah. It's specifically, like at the shore. Like at the shore. There's. Yeah. Haven't seen a mask yet.
1: But it's also like it's a summer town in the winter, right? Yeah, but there's like, like
0: my wife and I, we went to dinner last night closer to Atlantic City and it was a packed restaurant. That's what I love to see walking into a restaurant. And it, like, this doesn't happen too often in Austin either. Like, walking in, none of the waitstaffs wearing masks. You're like, not the
1: waitstaff thing is a big thing.
0: Yeah, me. it pisses me off. It pisses me off. It's like, it's so classic. Yeah. Um,
1: and like if so, the waiter the, wants to wear the mask, then the, by I all means it. they should be they should not get fired for wearing the mask. They should be able to do whatever the fuck they want to do. But they all look fucking miserable because they've been wearing it for eight hours while working a service job. Um, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah,
0: so I was I was very happy to walk into our favorite restaurant down here last night and packed restaurant. Everybody was enjoying the holiday season. the The wait staff looked happy and unencumbered by by onerous masks. So, um, getting some joy down here. And again, like even in Austin, like that's not the case in every place. Um, so there are pockets throughout the country where where rules are stricter and less strict than others. Uh, software updates. We got to wrap up soon here. My son's about to wake up from his nap, and we've got to go to Cape May. Um, BTC Pay server version 1.3.7 has been released. Uh, on that note, too, I saw Pavel next, uh tweet out earlier today. There's going to be open source opportunities outside of coding at BTC Pay beginning in 2022. So they're looking for like community managers, customer support, uh, social media managers, and stuff like that. So if those are some of your core competencies and you've been looking to contribute to Bitcoin open source but you can't code, BTC Pay server may have some opportunities in that regard in 2022, uh, so that's that's a good thing to see. And, and from what I understand, Nicholas Dorier, does this update come with the big UI overhaul, or no? Is idea. that not coming for next year? Um, they've been they've been teasing a big UI overhaul that's supposed to significantly improve the the UX. Um, I, I don't believe it's this update. I think it is going to be an update. I think we know if there year. was this
1: update, it'd be like in bold. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Rust Lightning version 0.0.104 has been released. LNBits version 0.4.0 has been released. Spectre DIY version 1.6.2 has been released. Mercury Wallet version 0.5.1 has been released. Simple simple Bitcoin Wallet, Matt's Favorite Wallet, version (laughs) 2.4.24 has been released. And Hexa Wallet version 2.0.65 has been released. Cheers. As always, not to go. I don't think there's any critical vulnerabilities or bugs uh, that these uh, new the updates Mercury are. Wild
1: one is probably the most important one, uh,
0: just because it's with, like
1: so early that they are making relatively, you know, they're making changes often. So like it's it's still very much a beta product.
0: The updates for Mercury Wilder password verification bug fix tour control error handling. And more efficient state chain info API support.
1: Yeah, that sounds like something you should update.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> you don't have to rush to update these. Maybe rush to update uh, Mercury if you're running it.
1: Uh, Basically, like if you're using out. something like Mercury, you should be using it with small amount of funds, and you should be constantly checking updates and GitHub issues and stuff like that. Because it's a when these these early projects, these new projects, especially when they're trying something really novel like state chains. Like you gotta be on top of that.
0: Yes, yes you do.
1: That's the thought process.
0: Shout out to the Mercury Wall team and everybody yes. working on state change. It's a very uh underappreciated second layer solution and scalability solution and privacy solution too.
1: Is it a privacy solution? A yeah, it's a massive
0: privacy solution.
1: It's basically like akin to It's move. coin swaps, but off change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you don't um, have what, to pay fees. We um, I, I, we have one other topic, right?
0: Yeah, it's Blockstream funding MemPool sponsoring MemPool. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, this is great. Blockstream's funding sponsoring MemPool project. MemPool is going to have a separate uh, Liquid dot network website. Uh, Where they're going to do all this liquid stuff and show liquid tokens and stuff like that. And they intentionally made it a separate website to keep Mempool pure. Um, But it's good to see the support. Uh, This is how, you know, if you want an open source project to integrate something, this is, you know, one of the ways to do it. Um, But just to go back uh, to Mercury Wallet while I remember. um, So, one of the things that we're so Mercury. Some guys from the Mercury team will be speaking at Bitcoin 2022 on the open source stage. Uh, The general admission days, originally we were going to just do the open source stage for the two GA days, Um, 2,000-person conference hall dedicated to open source development. We've decided that we're going to open it for the industry day as well, the first day. And on the first day is going to be almost like a BitDev-style uh, a bit dev style day. So like presumably Socratic if you do seminar. it correct, but it's going to be harder to do a Socratic seminar style. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try and find a balance because if there's like 500 people in this fucking room, it's going to be really difficult to do it Socratic style. But the, the point is, is the conversations if we're successful in our creation of the conversations and are facilitating the conversations, like I should only be able to understand 10% of everything that's discussed. It's gonna be like heavy, heavy technical conversation on that first day and then the next two days will be more accessible conversation um, to a wider audience. Um, And one of the key aspects here is all those open source contributors who are eligible, whether that's Bitcoin Core, BTC Pay Server, the five lightning implementations, they have free access to that day as well. So we're gonna try and facilitate like a really heavy technical conversation day which I'm pretty excited about.
0: Hell yeah. Shout out to uh, Bitcoin 2022. That is going to be on April 6th to the 9th in Miami. Was this stuff happening before the 6th that you are just mentioning?
1: Uh, no, 6th is Industry Day. So that'll be the day the technical thing happened, the technical conversations happen. And then 7th and 8th are the GA days. Those are going to be having great conversations about open source projects on that stage. And then the 9th is Sound Money Fest, which is going to be the first uh, Bitcoin-powered music festival.
0: Awesome. And if you're thinking about going, we have a code, TFTC, 10% off, disclaimer. We'll be getting like ref link, ref share on that, so.
1: Or use the code, which cannot be mentioned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you know it. Um, all right, uh, that's all we got. You want to riff on anything quickly here before we wrap up?
1: No, I know we want to keep it tight. I love you, Marty. I love you, Carr. I love you, freaks. Merry Christmas to everybody. Stay humble, stack sets.
0: Peace and love. Merry Christmas to you if you're if you're celebrating Christmas. If you're not, still, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your time on this earth. It's precious. It's a beautiful thing. It's a miracle that we're here. Love all y'all. Peace and love.
1: Okay.